Hey, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, I'm so excited to have the privilege to teach this week and next week. Um, we're going to talk about Sabbath. We're in a series called uh, Unhurried Life. And, and it really is a privilege, Pat, to share uh, just a, a little bit of this series with you. You've been doing awesome, man, and really ministered to me personally. Um, a hurried, I mean, all of us understand, I think, what a hurried life is, an unhurried life. But I'll just take a second to, to tell you what we mean, right? An unhurried life um, is one that is caught up in, with Jesus and is producing the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's the opposite of a hurried life, which is the pace that our culture in our world invites us to move and live at, right? It is a non-stop digital age, right, where we are tethered to our own devices and screens and production and consumption. And we find value in our own production. This is what the world says, right? What we're able to produce and what people think of it. And we find joy in what we can partake of and consume. And it's just a constant flow from one to the other. And if you're not working, you're on a screen, right? And I think every person that I know who believes in Jesus would say yes to more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control in their life. No one's going to be like, yeah, no, I'm done. I don't need any more of that. Right? We all feel a need for more of that. So the issue isn't one of desire. Like every believer I know would love to be closer to God, to have more of God in their life. But as a culture, we have a hard time knowing how to stop. And if I was just silent for three minutes, it would get so uncomfortable right now. I'm not going to do that to you. All right. <laughs> So it's not a matter of desire, but it is a matter of something has happened. We don't know how to unplug, disconnect, be still, and we're exhausted, exasperated, and anxious because of it. So we're in a series on unheard life because this really matters. That's not the life that Jesus intended for us. And in our small groups, we've been talking about Sabbath as a spiritual practice, and it is. Um, we've been talking um, and looking, not just talking about, but practicing that, learning how or taking steps toward that. Um, but it's also in Scripture a command. It shows up for ancient Israel as a command. But it's even bigger than that. It's a theme that stretches from the beginning of our story to its end. And so my hope today, we're going we're gonna to start to dive into Sabbath. And we're actually going to do it for the next two weeks, because it's bigger than just one week can take. And as we go through it, and, and I want, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to answer the question, should you do Sabbath? Right? Because that's the bottom line for many of us. We just want to know, what, what do I have to do? And if I don't have to do it, and it messes with my comfort, it's probably a no. Right? But I, what I want you to see in the next two weeks is God's heart behind Sabbath. And, and, and really the call of God to be present with him. The invitation of God to know him. 
and the orient, to orient our lives around him. And so there's no pressure from me to do Sabbath. Sabbath is a great practice. I've, it's been great for my life. But I want us to, as we dive into Scripture, to see what God says and thinks about it. And really about rest. What does it mean to be a people who live from rest? Because that's what Jesus calls us to be. A people connected to him. A people loving the world. And none of those things happen if we're not at rest. If we're hurried and we're anxious and we're busy and we don't cease, we cannot experience and give love the way that God designed us to. All right, so turn to Genesis 2. We're going to start way at the beginning of the Bible. Um, and this week, we're going to look in, like dive into the Old Testament. Um, and then next week, we're going to jump into some of the things that Jesus says and what the New Testament has to offer in terms of the idea of Sabbath. And I wish I could give this like 900 weeks because it's just there's so much. But, um, but we'll jump in and, and uh, see what God has for us today. Okay, so as you're turning to Genesis 2, Genesis 1 and 2 is the creation account of the world. Um, some things to, to make note of before we even get to Genesis 2. The creation account occurs over how many days? Six or seven. Yeah, okay. We're, we're going to say seven. God does all the work in six days, and he rests on the seventh. We'll get to that. The first, fourth, and seventh day, so the, the outside days and the middle day, are concerned with time. And the days in between deal with living things, right? Days two and five God creates the waters. He fills them with living things. Days three and six, God creates the land. He fills it with human beings and animals, right? He fills it with living things. But day one, day, three, day four, and day seven are, are dealing with time. Day one is the sequence of night and day. It's God uh, creating a daily rhythm. Day four is the pattern of the sun, moon, and stars. It's what's go what governs our monthly, um, our seasons, our annual rhythms, and day seventh, the culmination of it all, um, the Sabbath is, um, completes a weekly rhythm. And all these things are built into the fabric of creation. They just are. So this, this rhythm that God makes is part of creation. It's part of the cosmos. You can no more change it than you could change gravity. The sun's going to go down tonight, and what's it going to do tomorrow? Come up. All right, that is how God designed it. And it's not just functional. If you go, okay, if you go back to chapter 1 and verse 14, right, it's, God says it marks sacred times. So for God, it's not just about, like, functional time, how the world just works, but how being with him and time works. And he structures that into the fabric of creation. Okay? Um, other things I want us to just to hear before we go to chapter 2. Okay. There's a poetic rhythm to each day. You know what I'm talking about? It starts with God speaks every day. Let there be... Light, right? Like God speaks. Every day starts with the, the voice of God. And then it ends with this phrase, and there was evening, and there was 
morning, the first day. There was evening and morning, the second day. There was evening and morning, the third day, and so on and so on. Um, and if you, and this doesn't really matter, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're a Bible nerd, if you could read Hebrew, and I don't understand Hebrew at all, guys. It's beautiful, but it is so intricate and complex. There's numbers involved with letters. Like you would be, if you're a Hebrew reader, you would see so much that's not in English. And you would see that the number seven is all over this first chapter. The first verse is seven words. Verse two is seven words two times. When we get to chapter two, the, the conclusion, verses one and two, it's seven words three times. Right? There are seven paragraphs in chapter one. Elohim, important words happen in the multiples of seven. Elohim, land. Elohim happens 35 times. Land happens 21 times. Skies happen 21 times. Light and day, that phrase happens seven times. Living creatures, seven times. God saw that it was good how many times? Seven times, right? Uh, there's seven commands to creation itself where God speaks and says, let it be. And there's only two reasons I tell you this. One, um, this, which I love, is the Bible isn't just like folklore, right? It's God's word. God breathed. But it's not just stories either. Like it is intentionally and brilliantly put together. There is so much here. Like, it, like the, the Hebrews talked about the scriptures like a gem, right? It has so, ma so many sides to it. And if you turn it in the light, there's something new to discover every single time you turn it. God's word is, is just so beautiful. And the writers who are writing scripture here are brilliant scholars. They're doing it, obviously, in the spirit of God. But there's also, like, a brilliance to it that we shouldn't go, like, in an intentionality. If you saw the number seven that many times, like, in English, we miss it. And that's the only reason I bring it up. But the idea, the, the Hebrew reader would be seeing all these sevens and they would be looking for something to culminate or arrive on day seven. That makes sense? Like they're all pointing to something big happening. On the, if seven is so important, then it should happen on the seventh day. The word seven is in Hebrew is a hanan, ham, hamanim, that word, right? For complete or full. And so if, if you're reading the Bible in the way it was written, you'd be like, what is going to happen on day seven? Okay, Genesis, we'll find out. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now there's a few things I want to point out in this passage for us. And you probably know them, but I'm going to point them out anyway. The most basic, there's a six, there's a rhythm here, right? Six days of work. One day of rest. And it says that God rested. God rested. 
And that word for rest there is the word Shabbat. Can we say that together? Shabbat, yes. I don't know if you're supposed to say it weird like that, but that's, it's Shabbat. And it's the word where, that we get Sabbath from. The word itself means to cease or to stop. Which is, we could spend a long time on just that thought. The God of the universe himself stopped. Right? The one holding the world together stopped. Holding not just the earth, but the cosmos. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to rest for a bit. Does he stop doing that work? No. But he ceases. I know, my brain's already exploding, right? All right, there's a rhythm of work and rest. Second thing, God blessed the seventh day. Now, if you don't know, this is the third blessing in the creation account. There's three so far. Um, the first happens in chapter 1, verse 22, when uh, God creates the creatures of the sea and sky, and he tells them to do What? Our favorite command, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Right? Procreate. Second happens for, for, for man and animals, and it's the same command, it's a similar one. Be fruitful. He blesses them with a command. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. And so... The implication when God blesses the Sabbath is just like animals and humans can procreate, the Sabbath can fill the earth with life. I remember um, 2019, I started reading a book by John Mark Comer, and it was called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, right? This is right before 2020. And uh, it was like December uh, 2019. I think I, did I just repeat myself? Sorry. Okay. Um, and I remember I set out in December to start practicing Sabbath. And so on a, fr a Friday night, the first time I practiced it, like for real, and I don't know about for real, but the first time it worked for me, I just remember shutting off every electronic thing I owned. I didn't know what to do, by the way. This is what I did. I should just shut up every electronic thing I owned. And I just was trying to make myself available to God. And then I spent the next two hours feeling anxious, restless, and like, what am I doing? I am alone with my thoughts, and it feels uncomfortable. But here's what happened. After two hours, roughly, and I remember this. I remember it was like I, my own soul showed up to the party. It was like I was aware of my inner self. And I was aware of God, and I was at peace. Like a deep peace settled over me. And I just hung out with God for a while. I remember it led to me sitting at the piano, sitting with my guitar for a while. I was just writing songs to God. And um, it was awesome. But that, so it makes sense to me that the Sabbath, right, the, the idea of, of, of being still with God could be life-giving. Because it is. Totally is. 
So God blesses it. Also, God makes it holy. Now, if you're a Bible nerd, this is the first time in the scriptures that holy shows up, that word. And that's pretty significant because in the ancient Near East, all other holy like gods were uh, connected to places, right? So holy temples, holy shrines, holy high places, holy low places, a holy mountain, they're holy places that we would make pilgrimage to and worship because the place is holy. And God himself we know is holy, but the first time the word holy is used in the Bible isn't to describe a place or a being, it's to describe a time. A time. Seven, the seventh day. A 24-hour period, and God says, this time is holy. And this would be a radical thought back then. But, but you know that the God of the Bible can't be contained in any space, right? The earth is his footrest. The cosmos is his temple. <laughs> but it's not just about that. Like the God of the Bible is found less in space when it comes to humanity, less in space and more in time. So knowing God isn't about getting to some place or somewhere. It's about getting to someone. Right? You can be here. But there's another thing to be present with people, with God, and what's happening here. They're different things. You can be present with God. You might be present with Instagram right now. I don't know. That's possible. I saw like a few people like elbow people. Oh, sorry, I wasn't trying to call anyone out. Um, so God, and this is really interesting though, because God builds time for, for him like builds into the fabric of creation time that is holy. It's set apart unto him in, in this weekly cycle. And it is commanded for God's people, and we'll get, we'll get to that. When we get to that, we'll see, when we get to like the, the law, we'll see, you understand how this kind of moves. There's more to it. Um, okay, another thing I want to point out. This seventh day does not end with the expected formula. There was evening, and there was morning. Did you notice that? Um, it doesn't close it in that literary way. And the idea, idea here is that Sabbath begins here, and it goes on without ending. Right? It Sabbath comes week after week after week after week after week after week after week. And, and it just continues on. But there's also this like eschatological like inference that like there's something about the be that we're saying here that's not just about the beginning of our story, it's about the ending. And where this whole project, where this whole thing is headed is rest. Some version of Sabbath. Right? It's not just the creation story. It's our story 
and the whole story of the Bible, and we find it right here on the first couple pages. God is brilliant, if you didn't know. And for ancient Israel, every week on the Sabbath, and every festival, and every holy day, they are enacting and remembering this story. The idea that it's all going to culminate in a seventh day rest. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to Exodus 20, but before we do, if you're in chapter 2, just scroll down to verse 15. And I'm just going to make a note of this. The Lord God, are you with me? Took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. Now, my Bible says God put him there. Does anyone have a different word? Place? Took him there? Yeah? Okay, so he took him there. All right, that's all good English. You know what the word is? It's another word. It's an important word for us. It's walk. Can we say that together? walk. The word means rest. It means rest. It means to be made to rest or to rest in, like to settle in and remain or, right, to take up residence in. That's kind of the idea. And with it is the implication of safety, security, and provision. So, God doesn't just put <laughs> Adam in, in the garden to work it. He places in rest Adam in safety with security in the garden to work it with him. And there's a huge difference. And now this is still Eden, what we're talking about. But remember that word nuach as we go to Exodus 20. Would you turn to Exodus 20? Pretty please. I'm going to go there too. All right, this, the context for this is the Ten Commandments. Um, there's a Disney movie out if, and a Charl, Charlton Heston one. Is that his name? Charlton? Good old Charlton. If you, if you, need, if you need, you can watch one of those after to remember. But the Ten Commandments are central uh, to the Mosaic com- Covenant, the covenant that God's making with his people and, and what it means to be his people. And the fourth command is about Sabbath. And the, John Mark Homer says, and I, th- the, I learned this from him, the commandment takes about 37%, that's a very precise number, <laughs> of the Ten Commandments. So it takes a big old chunk of the Ten Commandments is commandment four. And the commandments before that um, they deal with our relationship with God, and the commandments after, they, it bridges uh, commandments that deal with our relationship with our neighbor, okay, or one another. Um, and it says this in Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11. Why don't we read it out loud together? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sorry, I forgot that we all have different translations when I invited you to read that out loud. Um, but you did pretty good. So each week here, God commands his people to remember Shabbat. All right? That's, that's the phrase. Let me get to it. Remember the Shabbat. Okay, and, and that word, the, the Sabbath, it's, it's really close. It's like uh, um, a really close. It's, it's based on the word that we read in Genesis 1 where it says God Shabbated. He stopped. He Sabbathed. He ceased. So remember the Sabbath by how? By keeping it holy. This is important. So six days of the week are common and normal, but the seventh day is different. It's set apart. It's holy. Right, you are to cease from all your work, but it's not just a day off, right? Do we know what a day off is in America, right? It's it's for two things: it's to to finish your work, right, to catch up on the to-do list, or to do whatever you want. That's a day off in America. It's about you and your and your list predominantly. This is much different. It's not about you or your list. It's a holy day. That's set apart, set unto God. That's what it says in the text. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Um, unto him. So how you spend your time is connected to God and his purposes and how he instructs you. So, and who does the command, notice this, who does the command extend to? For ancient Israel here? It extends to everyone in your house. And even the immigrant who's, in, who's staying with your community. Like, no one should work. Everyone gets to cease. Stop and rest. And why? Because he does. He gives a reason. He says, the reason we do it is because God did it. It's the creation account. Creation is the reason that we stop. God built it into the fabric of creation, and he commanded it, so we're going to do it. Now, what's interesting is that a new word <clears throat> is introduced here because when it says that God rests, it doesn't use the same word as it did in Genesis 1, which is Shabbat. It uses that word nuach, right? So, which means he came to dwell in, he remained in, he set up camp in, right? Like God dwells in the Sabbath, so, which is so cool. Like, Sabbath is a holy day. If you're God's people, you would understand that Sabbath is a holy day at this point and that God fills with his very person. He takes up residence in it. God, you can count on God. Like, and that makes sense. What, you know, six days of the week are normal. This one's not normal. God is present here in a way that he isn't the rest of the week. All right, now move on. We're going to go back, move to Deuteronomy chapter 5, if you don't mind. If you don't know Israel's story, they rebel against God in the desert. God has freed them from slavery. He's led them into the wilderness to worship him and to make them his people. They rebel against God, and he says, okay, you're not going to get to go in the promised land. And so they wander the wilderness for 40 years, 
and that comes to a, the next generation, like a, the whole generation who the Ten Commandments were given to are dead. Except for Moses, who's just going to kind of like wave as they go into the, the promised land, and he's done. He's going to die, all right? And, he, and Moses gives the Ten Commandments a second time to this next generation. God is renewing his covenant with this generation before they enter the land. And what's interesting is it's a little different. So if Deuteronomy 5, chapter 12, or chapter, verse 12, we'll pick up. And this is what it says. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, here's the differences between this passage and the one given to the previous generation. First, the first word is, is observe. Right? So the, the word previously was remember, which means recall, bring to mind, basically pay attention to this. It is worth your time and thought. Remember. This is observe. And that word means more to guard or protect. Like, put a hedge around this. It, it matters. Don't miss this. Like, like, this is like a family event. Like, this is like Thanksgiving, and we have traditions, and we're going we're gonna to make sure to protect those. Christmas, we have things that we do, and we're going to protect those days because they're, they're unique and special. He's saying, that's how you treat Sabbath. Observe it. Guard it. Protect it. And while in the Exodus passage, the people, Shabbat, they cease from work, it's God who fills the day, the time with his presence. But we see here that um, the rest that is mentioned is it's new walk again, and that rest is for God's people. And it's not just for you. You're not, you don't fill this time with yourself, your very presence, but your whole household should. So, right, like, you are responsible for your household stepping into this. And not just you, but your animals, your kids, your servants. Oftentimes, servants at that, at that time would be other people of Israel who had come to a point um, in their life where they ran out of what they needed to provide for themselves, so they would give themselves over to servanthood in, in another household or family, and that family would take them in and, and take care of them, but they would serve them. And that, it was like an indentured servant. It was like your servants, the stranger, right, the, the, the refugee that's in your midst, 
And, and the reason that is so significant, the word nuach is significant, that he uses it, is because all, every one of them are offered safety and security and provision so that they can rest. And the reasoning has changed here. And so God is beginning to add to the why. Right? Previously, it was the why was because I, that's how the world was created and God rested. Here it's because you were a slave. Remember that? There's two, two reasons. One is you were a slave. And two, God rescued you from that slavery. He disarmed the powers that were enslaving you. So don't you enslave anyone else. Don't you work and rest in my presence. Or don't you rest in my presence and demand that others work. You're not a slave. Slaves work seven days a week. If anything, church, if we hear anything this morning, you're not a slave. Slaves are on the circuit, the treadmill, seven days a week. Right? If there's not space in your week that you're off that treadmill and you're with God, why are you living like a slave? That's not who you are. You guys remember the story um, in the wilderness, how God provides manna? Anyone, anyone like, oh, that rings a bell? That happens in, can we go to that? Go to, turn to Exodus 16. We're getting close to the end, okay? We're wrapping up. We're, what we're doing is we're building a base that we're going to talk about next week when we bring Jesus into the conversation. Um, Exodus chapter 16. Basically, you know, before, this is before the, God gives his people the Ten Commandments. Obviously, after he's rescued his people, they're in the wilderness, and they're hanging out, and they need food. And so God tells them, okay, I'm going to provide you food in the wilderness. There's going to be this really great, delicious stuff called manna. We don't know what that is, but it's, we could guess. And you'll be able to go out each day and gather it, enough for you and your family and those in your household to eat. Um, but on day six, make sure that you gather twice as much as you need. Because on, on the seventh day, I don't want you to go do that. I want you to rest. And they don't do it. <laughs> it's, I mean, guys, they've been, they've been slaves. They've been working for what they need every day and having just enough for so long. So, so many of the people go out. They just forget that and they go out on Saturday, the Sabbath morning, to collect and there's no food there. And God's like, yeah, well, you didn't do what I said. But, but it, it comes to this point, and he's talking to Moses, Exodus 16, 20. He says this, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind, the Lord has given you Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. 
Like everyone is to chill. They're to stay where they are on the seventh day. Don't go out. Verse 30. So the people rested. They Shabbated on the seventh day. That word given there, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. It's the word Nathan. Um, it means to give or to provide or to bestow upon. And see, God wants his people to see, look, a Sabbath isn't just a command. It's a gift. I've given it to you. Just a little preview of next week. Okay, let's turn to Mark 2. Mark 2. Verse 27 is the one we're looking for, but I'm going to start in verse 23. And there's a Sabbath. Jesus is going through the grain fields with his disciples. They begin to pick some heads of grain, and the Pharisees say to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, first of all, they're not. And here's what I mean. They're not disobeying Torah, but they are disobeying Mishnah. Right? The Pharisees have come up with all these rules around Sabbath to put a hedge of protection. They're like, oh, do you remember that? And it comes from a good heart back when, but it's evolved into this thing. But like, remember God said, guard it? They're like, okay, we're going to guard it. And they put all these rules around it. And Jesus is just like, Those are, that's not Torah. It doesn't mean he doesn't observe Sabbath. And it doesn't mean he's disobeying Torah. So you need to understand that. Because this is how he answers. Have you never read the Bible? He's talking to you, like, the Bible scholars. <laughs> Have you never read what David did when, when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And, and Jesus says, this is why that's possible. He says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's a gift. When God created the universe, when he literally spoke the cosmos into being over six days and rested on the seventh, he put in the fabric of creation the fabric and structure of, of time, a gift for you and me. Now, Jesus does change things. We're not under the law. And we're going to talk about that next week. But God created you, and he made you with the need for rest. You are a human being. You need physical rest. It doesn't work. Like working seven days a week will only lead to unhealth and struggle. If you've been in the, in the small group, I was so impressed. John Mark talked about like, uh, I forget what it was, but there was a culture that tried to push those seven day work week or six day work week to 10 days. 
And like in in no time, like they lost so much production. There was so much rampant mental illness and suicide that happened just by trying to change the structure of how, how God made the world. Like you need rest. And he made, here's the thing, he made the world this way intentionally as a gift to you. Because the fact that you need rest should lead you to the one who gives rest. And you are not a slave anymore. You do not belong to the never-ending treadmill of production and consumption. Your identity is not in what you can produce or attain or experience. Your identity comes from who you're loved by. You're loved by him. You're a child of God. You were made for rest with him. A few weeks ago, we, we looked at the words of Jesus. Do you remember what he said? Come to me. All of you who are heavy laden, weary, I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. So we'll jump, we'll jump back into this conversation next week, but here's what I want to do. I just want to give you a moment with God. And for me, I, I tend to need to close my eyes to be less distracted. But I just want you to take your, this coming week, all right? And I want, or maybe your week, if you have a weekly rhythm, maybe this week is very unusual, but you have a normal weekly rhythm, and I want you to put that right in front. Just open it up before the Lord and ask this question. Jesus, have I intentionally set aside time that is unto you, that is for you, to be with you, to know you, and to find rest for my soul? Just, would you just own that in God's presence? Let him reveal that. And if you haven't, God would love for you to do that. He has more for you. Let's take a moment with the Lord. So Jesus, we, um, we come to you. And maybe this conversation with you needs to last a little longer. So we just admit that if that's true and, and commit to come back to it. But we're, we're the people who have said yes to you, who believe in you, who say yes, we'll follow you. And, and the invitation is to be with you, to intentionally, intentionally order our lives be connected to you, to know you as a person, not just about you, but to know you personally, to relate with you and rest in your presence. And that is part of the design since the beginning. It's part of the design until the end. And it's, it's all wrapped up in you, Jesus. I pray for our church to continue this conversation, to continue to grow in our ability to be still and to know you as God to walk with you, and to experience the fruit of your spirit in our life. We look to you. 
In your name we pray.